Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Thanks for downloading another episode of Paddling the Blue. I appreciate you joining us, and I appreciate the feedback that we've been receiving so far. It's been a lot of fun doing this podcast and catching up with some really cool guests. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. I told you when we set the podcast up that we were going to both talk to people who are doing things from the seat of a sea kayak, as well as doing things related to sea kayaking. So this is one of those related to sea kayaking ones. And we got a guest by the name of Jonathan Ringdahl who's going to join us today. And Jonathan didn't do any paddling on this trip, but he actually volunteered to preserve a lighthouse. And uh, the lighthouse he was preserving was the Rock of Ages Lighthouse, and it's just south of Isle Royal, out in the middle of Lake Superior. So we're going to tune in to Jonathan and talk to him about his experience working on Rock of Ages Light. I'm joined today by Jonathan Ringdahl, and uh, Jonathan Ringdahl has done some pretty cool things uh, with conservation in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, so, Jonathan, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you joining today. Thank you for having me, John. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your personal background, and then we'll get into the trip itself. Well, I am an American Canoe Association certified kayak instructor, and my full-time job is working with amazing kids with autism, and I love being outside, all the goods that come along with nature, I love photography, and historic preservation projects. Excellent. So tell me about some of the preservation things that you're involved with. So I am involved with the Rock of Ages Lighthouse Preservation Society, and the Friends of Plum and Pilot Islands in Door County. And how did you get involved with either of those associations? In 2012, I was riding the ferry over to Washington Island to visit Rock Island State Park, and I saw what I now know is the rear range light on Plum Island, and then coming around the other side of Plum Island, I saw the uh, life-saving station that is there and was instantly interested in what these buildings are and why they are there. And that led me to some research that led me to discover the friends of Plum and Pilot Islands and for the Rock of Ages Lighthouse Preservation Society, I saw the lighthouse on my first trip out to Isle Royal, and then when I was at the Outdoor Adventure Expo in Minneapolis, there was a booth there that was from representatives of the Rock of Ages Lighthouse Preservation Society, and it was that whoa, I can actually get to this lighthouse and then contribute to the restoration effort. So that's the story of getting involved with both of those great organizations. Got right. to spend a few days there and actually sleep in the lighthouse. So, all right. So tell us a little bit about the light and its location. So it is, it's off the southwestern tip of Isle Royale National Park and it's built on a rock reef that 
is very shallow and it extends out a good, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe 500 feet or so each direction. I'm not sure of the size of it. I just know that it is a very remote location and construction crews built the Rock of Ages lighthouse on this rock reef and there is no land around it to speak of and it is there because though that reef poses significant threats to storms i mean storms put ships sorry about that that's right and so how did you get out to the light that's part of the fun is getting out to the rock of ages lighthouse being it is in the remote location that it is and there's a couple of different ways that you can get out there. And for me, I took the Sea Hunter out of Grand Portage, Minnesota, into Windigo. And then we were picked up on the Rock of Ages Lighthouse Preservation Society's boat and taken to Washington Island, where we dropped most of our gear off, spent our first night, and then we took our boat out to the Rock of Ages lighthouse. And that's really the only way you can get out there unless you have your own boat that can handle those conditions. All right. How many days were you on the uh, on the lighthouse island? We were there for three days and two nights, which was one day shorter than what we were expecting. However, because of Lake Superior's nasty weather at times, we knew that we had to leave the lighthouse a day early because of the winter last year being brutal to the dock and knocking about, I'd say about a 10 foot section off into the lake. You can only access the dock from one side, which limits the weather days that you can get out there because if you have conditions coming from the wrong way, then the boat would just get slammed against the rocks. Okay. And what was your responsibility? Um, well, first of all, how many people were, were with you? There were four of us out there. So we had a crew leader and three other volunteers. And my responsibility was just to destroy things. And I'm really good at that, John. <laughs> so by destroy things, uh, you know, tell us tell us more about that. There is a bathroom on the second story of the lighthouse. And... It has, well, I should say it had, because now it's all been knocked down. It still had some remnants of some brick walls, basically some, some cinder blocks in there as well. And those all needed to come down and some old wood paneling to open it up to allow us to have more light in there to see what we're doing. And then the old tile floor was in pretty rough shape. The boards that were underneath it were in rough shape. Therefore, we had to rip all of that out and move it all out of the lighthouse. And I was very happy that it was on the second floor because we had load up all of that busted up concrete, cinder blocks, bricks into garbage bags in a garbage can and take those down the steps. And I'm just very thankful 
that that was only down one flight. And my partner, Willie, was also really great. I mean, just an amazing volunteer that I was happy to work with. And so we worked as a team to get those down and out onto the caisson deck, which is 30 feet above the dock. And so we had to rig up a rope and pulley system to lower those down, which our crew leader Chuck helped us with. And those were 60 to 80 pounds each. And it was, it was some really hard work. However, it was amazing. And actually put us ahead of schedule for next summer's project. All right. So what's the configuration of the light? I mean, is you got the, the, the rock island itself, and is there actually a light keeper's house, or is it just the light tower itself? What do we have there? So when, you're, when you arrive and you see it, you will see there is some exposed section of reef there. I would say you have... On one side, I would say you have maybe about 100 to 120 feet of rock, and then you have the uh, steel and concrete base that is what the lighthouse is built on top of. So that's surrounded by steel, and then the walls are 10 feet thick of poured concrete. And then say you have about another 30, 40 foot section of rock on the other side of the lighthouse that sticks out. Therefore, everything is integrated into that deck and then the tower that sits upon the deck, including all of the living quarters for the keepers, the kitchen, the storage, everything, the office space, everything is contained within one tower, which is another unique feature. There is no room out there for a separate keeper's quarters. Okay. And so is it one level? You mentioned two levels. How many levels are in this thing? There are, I know there's, I'm trying to run through it in my mind. There's the sub-cellar, the cellar, then there is the, where what is now serving as our kitchen. And then there's the, let's see, so then there's the second story. And there's two, what's B, the kitchen, that's the third story. And then I know we had two keeper's quarters, four or five. And then there was the radio room, so that'd be six. I believe it's about, it's about nine or 10 stories. I want to say it's 10 stories in all is from the bottom, the case on deck all the way up to the lantern room. Okay. And what kind of size are we talking? So you mentioned keeper's quarters. <laughs> Very small. That's where we did sleep. There's the third and second assistant keeper's quarters. And then above that is the first assistant keeper's quarters. And then there is the main keeper. And there is a small closet in these rooms. I mean, it's not even enough room for, say, a person to go stand inside of these closets. These closets are very small. And then there's room for two beds, and there was a cabinet in the keeper's quarters that we were sleeping in, and that was about it. And there was enough room to walk around these beds. So 
it, you have to like being close to people in order to sleep inside of the Rock of Ages lighthouse. And luxurious is not a word you would use to describe. However, I will say it is one of the coolest places that I've ever slept in my life. That's that's pretty cool. Um, get, you got any history about the uh, the lighthouse? Yeah, so the lighthouse was built in 1907, and they had to have a boat out there that was a cement mixing factory because it all had to be prepared on this one boat and then brought over to the site of the future lighthouse and poured into the caisson deck. And then once all of that was set in, then the tower was built on top of it and it is an engineering marvel because of the time it was built and where it was built and it is it's an amazing structure and it was in 1933 i believe that the george m cox was sailing through that area in very thick fog when the keeper only knew it was there because he could see the flag on the mast sticking up above the fog. And despite their best attempts with the fog signal, the Cox ran aground on the Rock of Ages Reef and they took the boat that was at the lighthouse over to the Cox and they brought people back to the lighthouse everybody on board survived however they had around 120 to 130 people in and around the lighthouse and as i've told you about the size this was not the structure to hold anywhere close to that amount of people therefore everyone took turns rotating in and out of the lighthouse in the night to stay warm until a boat came by the next day to pick up all of the passengers and that is one of the reasons why that was the date that was picked for the historic structures report to take the lighthouse back to what it looked like at that time period and you can actually go out and you can find pictures of the george m cox sitting up there on the reef and it's just it's quite the sight to see so what is the Lighthouse Preservation Society's uh, plan? When are they planning on having everything set, uh, finished with this, and what happens next? The restoration will hopefully be wrapped up in 2022, as long as Lake Superior cooperates with us. We are at its mercy, to say the least, as far as access to the light goes and how she treats the lighthouse and the dock over winter. And it is possible that there could be setbacks. There are some significant cracks in the outside of the lighthouse that need to get patched up. Sometimes, I mean, last winter there was a good amount of moisture that was present inside the lighthouse when it got opened up in the spring. It is the great unknown as far as what's going to happen this winter to say the dock or the inside structure of the lighthouse if any of the cracks get bigger from water getting inside and freezing and expanding so it will be 
interesting to see what happens when we get to open up the lighthouse this coming spring and the uh, plan is to be able to open it up for people to come and take tours in the future and right. let people experience how amazing the structure is and hopefully to have a volunteer docent program for people to be able to stay out there and greet people as they come and visit. And so would it be available for just private private individuals to be able to uh, get a boat out there? Or is that the kind of thing where the Park Service would just run tours? Yes. If you have a boat that's capable of getting out there, you know, if you have the skills as a kayaker too, you could make that attempt again at your own risk. I mean, for both types of boats, because there was a time when we tried to get back out there with people that had a private boat that are working on some other historic structures out there and the conditions are just too rough for their boat. I mean, you know, a good 25 foot boat and even then the the boat was getting rocked and rolled pretty good by conditions and because it is so exposed that the utmost care needs to be taken if you're coming out there and it would be nice to be able to get a dock that's suitable for bigger boats some of the ferry boats that run out there to be able to drop people off too. So time will tell with how that all unfolds. Yeah, the place is certainly in a pretty exposed position, so it's not really easy to get to in terms of its distance, and there's not really much in terms of uh, landing capabilities there. So I imagine there'd have to be a lot that would be done in order to uh, get folks out there. So what can others do to replicate the trip? If somebody else wanted to uh, connect with the Lighthouse Preservation Society and, and have the same experience that you did, what, what might someone do? They would have to become a member of the Rock of Ages Lighthouse Preservation Society, and then that puts them on the email list. And when volunteer applications open up, to come out there and volunteer then you have to fill one of those out and outline what skills you have that can be beneficial to the preservation society and then we go over the applications and look at the skills that people have and then what our goals are for that year and see if there's something that matches up and then that person gets offered an opportunity to come out and volunteer and work on a certain project. And if that person isn't interested, then it would go down the line and they would look at other applications to see who's next to come out there and volunteer. And it would be great to be able to get everybody out there that wants to volunteer. However, because of the transportation, logistics, and the amount of sleeping space that's available, it is usually fairly limited. However, 
you never know until you apply. I went out there, I applied, and I got picked. So it can happen to anybody if you have the right attitude and the right skills, and you could have this amazing opportunity to contribute to this amazing structure and project. Great. I will make sure that I put a link to the Lighthouse Preservation Society in the show notes for this episode uh, so folks can have the opportunity to do that as well. Um, it sounds like a pretty competitive, almost bidding process to be able to get in. Is that right? Yes, it can be competitive. I had friends that also applied and they didn't get picked for the project. So, you know, unfortunately, people have to be told based on the limited number of spaces that we have and the skill sets that we need. Unfortunately, we can't pick you this year. However, just I would say, even if you don't get picked once, just keep applying and trying to get yourself out there because it will be worth it. I know that I am starting to volunteer with Habitat for Humanity as well because I know that's going to help me enhance the skills that I know can be used to us out there at the Rock of Ages. I think that would be a pretty good resume item as well for people. So I know, Jonathan, one of your other skills is photography. Did you take any pictures at all while you were out there at the light? I took a lot of pictures out there at the light. A few, a few videos, too, and... My is one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken, and certainly the best I've ever taken of the Northern Lights. Our fearless crew leader, Chuck, woke us all up about 2 a.m. It might even have been our first night out there. I don't exactly remember. And he goes, hey, the Northern Lights are out there. And they were, and they just kept growing and getting bigger. And I pulled out my camera and my tripod and just had a blast photographing the Northern Lights with the lighthouse in there as well. And it's one of my favorite pictures that I've ever taken. And uh, pictures from the lantern room are amazing. To have that kind of access to uh, every aspect, every area inside of the lighthouse it was it's a blessing to a photographer and watching storms roll in, taking pictures of that while we were out there. I mean, I was I would have taken some 30-foot waves, too. I'm like, this has got a 10-foot concrete base covered in steel. I feel pretty good about our chances of coming through the storm. Maybe in a future trip out there, we'll get some big waves. However, I did get really good pictures and it's going to be amazing to be able to look back at these pictures once all the work is done and go this is what it looked like at one point in time so jonathan you've got uh, not only the photography skills but i know that you've got a particular passion for conservation and you've done some things with photography um, and then donating money to conservation from the sale of some pictures so is there a way that somebody might be able to see any of the pictures that you took out at the light and uh, get those for themselves and also do good at the same time yeah, there's a few different ways. Most of them involve social media. I would say is you can I have a few different Facebook pages, Living the Dream Adventures, Jonathan Ringdoll Photography, and I'm also on Instagram 
also at living the dream adventures and most of the pictures that i have taken out there that are on social media are on my instagram page there i just started up another instagram page for jonathan ringdoll photography in either one there's no underscore spaces or special characters those are those are out there uh, if somebody was going well i'm not on social media but i would love to see those pictures my email address is johnringdoll at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to, you know, say here, you know, here, check, check it out because I don't want people that just are on social media to be able to see it. And if anybody was going, yes, I want to have one of those prints made, I would get it made and sent to them. And then uh, proceeds from that sale would go back to, helping preserve the structure that I love, I have a passion for, and think it's one of the coolest places. I know it's one of the coolest places on earth. Great. And that was Jonathan Ringdahl Photography on Facebook. Is that correct? Yep. All right. And then uh, Living the Dream Adventures on Facebook. And uh, yep. you also mentioned email address, John Ringdahl at, uh, was it gmail.com? Yep. All right. So J-O-N. R-I-N-G-D-A-H-L at gmail.com. Um, I've yep. seen that picture of the lighthouse with the northern lights, uh, and it is a very impressive picture. So that would uh, be a, a, a great add to anybody's collection. Um, Jonathan, you. yeah, you're welcome. One last question for you, Jonathan. We're always looking for uh, new and interesting guests, much like yourself. Is there somebody that you might recommend who you'd like to hear on Paddling the Blue in the future? Ellen McDonough, I think, would be amazing to hear about her solo journey down the Mississippi River, maybe some of her other adventures, too. I'll collect that information from you separately here and uh, get in touch with her and see if we can get her on the show in the future. Jonathan, I really appreciate you joining us today, and it's been great talking to you. And, uh, you know, I always always love getting the opportunity to get together with you. I know we'll see each other at Canucopia this year. We'll see each other at the Door County Sea Kayak Symposium. Uh, can't wait for either of those. I'm looking forward to seeing you as soon as possible. So thank you, Jonathan. Hey, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.